Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. chatting with host of the Unstarving Musician podcast, Rabanzo. How are you today, Rabanzo? I'm great. That was like one of the smoothest intros ever because <laughs> as we were just saying pre-record or, or pre-episode, we've just been chit-chatting, ice-breaking. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, we've just been chatting away. I don't know how many times I've, I've said the intro like that now, but uh, I guess something people wouldn't know necessarily is I was been podcasting since 2009 with uh, the David Andrew Weeb podcast, which quickly turned into the David Andrew Weeb Interviews and Music Business podcast, which then became DawCast Music Entrepreneurship. And then when I realized that nobody understood the cleverness behind the name of DawCast Music Entrepreneurship, I temporarily quit and then and then rebooted. And that's that's the New Music Industry podcast, which is also the namesake of, of my book. But it's been it's been an awesome and fun journey. So and we'll be getting into that too, because you're also a podcaster, but your website makes it fairly clear that you're passionate about helping musicians, especially in the area of live performance. So where does that passion come from and how did you get started in this space? Yeah, that that's where it started. I um, am a lifelong gigging musician, drummer and, and singer. And um, I recently you know, confessed in another um, conversation for the podcast that I years ago used to play guitar and, and just stopped and picked that back up. So, because I, I think it's from talking to so many songwriters and, and, uh, I'm not, I'm like, wow, I, I'd like to write some songs. So <laughs> I picked that up as well, but it did come from, uh, gigging a lot and being very proficient at it in terms of being a, I, I was fond of saying, you know, a, when I was in the markets where, um, there are the opportunities that uh, I could gig at will, you know, when, where, and with whom I wanted to and get paid doing it. And I guess, you know, um, the, the story I usually tell is one December, a while back, I realized my gig calendar had one or more gigs um, per month in the coming year. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, I should maybe share that with some people. And eventually it, it uh, drove me to write a book. Um, called the Unstarving Musicians Guide to Getting Paid Gigs, and once that was done, maybe during the process, I thought, I wonder, if, you know, what could I do to make this a little bigger? Because if this does help musicians, surely there's, um, you know, I can take it to a broader audience. Over time, though, um, from talking to a number of songwriters, musicians, and um, industry people, content creators that are in the music space, I'm learning all these other. Um, things that, that we're able to share, I'm able to share, you know, even outside the podcast. So as I'm, you know, my new thing I'm fond of saying is I feel like a curator of, you know, expertise and mistakes and, and, um, and new trends that independent musicians want to use. So that, that's how it started. Hmm. What kind of gigs were you playing at the time? I have always been 
predominantly like a club, um, private events, winery, um, type of gig person. There are the uh, occasional, you know, things where that I consider a little unusual, like, um, playing at a Google corporate event or, uh, um, you know, a wedding occasionally, but so just getting out and gigging with, um, rock bands, pop bands, dance bands, occasionally filling in for other types of genres. And, um, I guess for me, not every musician is, as you know, is, is, um, of this ilk, but for me, um, I, you know, put myself out there to be a sub whenever possible to grow my, my network as a musician. So, I uh, just put myself out there and that started happening more and more. And before I know it, I'm, I have wonderful opportunities to work with four or five bands in any given quarter. And, you know, some, a lot of them cover bands and then some original artists. So that's predominantly what I was doing. Yeah. I think subbing is probably underrated. I used to do that quite a bit as a guitar teacher. And honestly, some of the most fruitful times as a guitar teacher were when I was subbing for, you know, a, a group of teachers who were working at the same store, Long and McQuaid up here in, in Canada. And uh, it was probably some of the best pay scale I've seen for, for teaching. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to be out of the teaching space at this point. But I remember that those being really good uh, paydays. Yeah, it's a blast. And, you know, if you're doing your uh, putting in your best. It's so fun to perform with a group of new musicians, rehearsed or unrehearsed. And, you know, they generally make you feel like a superstar if you just go and make them look good. And that that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. And that's a really great tip, too, is to be mindful of the musicians you're playing with and, and complimenting them. Oh, totally. And you know what? You also made me, uh, reminded me, I have a a good friend who's got this monster of a band called the the House Rockers. Once upon a time, they were the Silicon Valley House Rockers, which I almost said. But um, the House Rockers are a uh, like nine-piece band. The guy's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and I don't think they do any original music, but they are a working musicians band. And many of the guys are full-time musicians, not all of them. So some of those guys sub you know, quite a bit. Um, in fact, I, I got to play with one of them, one of his, a couple of his side projects, but anyway, back to my friend who leads the band, he really doesn't like it because he wants, he wants, he wants his guys to be available always a hundred percent of the time. And he's pretty good. I mean, what he was, what, what he's producing for his band and, and the musicians that play in it is pretty special. The payday is always good and they really enjoy it. So for the most part, they're you know, probably 99% available, but there's the occasion where they're like, ah, you know, I can't do it. I, I got myself booked on this other thing. So he really gets a little, I, I just might, I imagine he gets a little tense around the shoulders when I talk about subbing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the life of a session musician though, right? If, if you don't have your own band or if you're just the kind of artist that everybody wants on their, their record or, or their, at their live show. I mean, that, that's the life. That's, that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to state the obvious, um, on top of being a, a good player and a conscientious player and, you know, listening to the musicians around you at all moments, um, being a, a nice, you know, a nice guy or, uh, a nice gal to those that you work with. And beyond that, just like doing this, uh, a personal inventory or whatever we call it these days to make sure that we are. Cause I have my moments where I'm not always the nicest guy or I get, you know, 
get my buttons pushed and say things I wish I wouldn't have. But anyway, to just always be mindful of that too. That took me, you know, just the effort of, of trying to treat everyone uh, like rock stars and, and being appreciative and having gratitude for all the opportunities took me so far <laughs> it would just with gigging and as you know, I mean that transcends into everything we do. Right. Yeah. I've had Matt Starr on the show and I remember him talking about the fact that it was so weird sort of like introducing himself to Ace Freely or like Mr. Big or whoever it was and hobnobbing with them and, and trying to build that relationship so that he could ultimately get the gig. He's like, it's not really the intention. The intention first and foremost was to build that good, strong connection and, and relationship. But I think it's so necessary, right? No matter how awkward or uncomfortable it feels, you just got to be a good hang and, and be around these people if you want the gig yeah my i think it was my very first or second interview for the podcast was um a friend from texas who's um been a working musician has done some really cool stuff over the years and one of the things he talked a lot about was and he used that word and and when he's from spending time in nashville um the hang and he said it was all about the hang you know and, and relationships yeah exactly it really is what other kind of tips are you sharing with uh, musicians to help them improve their, their gigging income? You know, um, outside of improving that, but it is related. Actually, it's very related is to make sure that whatever projects you're working in uh, that you're happy with. Hmm. Um, and if, if they're not, you know, creating joy, helping you create or, or realize joy in making the music that you're making, to just take a step back and, and think about how you can rectify that. Sometimes it means changing the situation. So that's a, that's a big one because, you know, and I share this one lately because I've kind of experienced this in two facets of my life where I was doing something a little longer than I should have. And, um, but you know, eventually either by my own doing or by external forces, you know, I am presented with the opportunity for things to change and lo and behold, you know, when you're doing things that you really enjoy, you're a lot more um, productive, both financially and just kind of in the hap- on the happiness scale. Mm-hmm. And something else I'm really reminded of from a conversation earlier today um, that I had for uh, Ryan Carella's uh, podcast, which is uh, Breaking the Business. Ooh, well, I'm getting them all mixed up. I'm looking at too many on the pages today. <laughs> and he... Um, you know, echoed something that I'm really fond of talking about, which is, uh, and, and you and I have talked about it too, prior to, you know, hitting the proverbial record is content creation yeah, and how much that can mean for musicians. So, uh, he's huge on the idea and I've, I've advocated it. Not, I don't get as excited as he does, but he's not, he's not actually a musician. He's, a, an entertainment, uh, attorney and his podcast is to offer, you know, advice for indie musicians like both of ours, but um, he was saying how huge it is for musicians to podcast and also, uh, super, he's super excited both from this year and the coming year about live streaming and what it's doing for musicians to help them increase their opportunities and hence their, their income. Uh, another favorite, how, you know, I love the, the whole house concert thing. If you're yeah. in a place to do that, if you play, you know, if, to me, if you play a guitar or keyboards, you're like totally you're totally house concert ready and I don't care what genre you play. You just kind of semi acoustify whatever you're doing if you need to. And, uh, 
dig into the house concert scene and there are a lot of resources out there if you you know if that's something you've just kind of heard about as you know um and i'm talking to your listeners right now but if it's something that you're just kind of hearing about uh, there are a ton of resources uh, probably on uh, musicentrepreneurhq.com uh, and, and certainly on my website where you can learn more about it and those are some of my favorite you know things um obviously build your email list build yes. your email list build your email list <laughs> <laughs> good thing to reinforce because uh, i always end up having to share that same tip over and over whether it's with coaching consulting or through the content that that we create here uh, and and what i found really interesting i guess is what you f- said about happiness i think that's very often overlooked and i can even admit that at times i've taken on jobs that uh i was not saying saying hell yeah to you know the old derek Sivers mm-hmm. thing it's hell yeah or mm-hmm. no if you're unless you're mm-hmm. hell yeah it's just a no don't say yes and i've I yeah, so many times like i've had so many lines in the water as it were you know if you're going fishing sometimes you see those people with their four or five rods set up with bait on the on the end because they're just determined to catch something they really don't care about the the sport of fishing they just want to make sure that a fish gets on their one of those lines and they put as many lines out there as they can well you know in business or in in my various creative endeavors i've been that guy at times i think uh coming to this point i'm i'm trying to streamline a lot more but uh, i've been that guy before uh, that uh, on the happiness curve wasn't always the happiest yeah um and a good thing you bring up about doing things, you know, because the opportunities there and it's been talked about a lot of different ways by a lot of people smarter than me, but it is something we have to be careful about. And it's, you know, I think it's not uncommon for us to, no matter how good we are at, at saying no to the right things, some of us much better than others, you know, it's easy for us to get caught again in, in saying yes to something and not realizing it until, <laughs> until it's irritating, you know, you know, that you got involved with it. And, you know, there's always an opportunity to course correct. And I, I have to tell you, I read, uh, everyone listening and yourself included, uh, no matter what you think of Phil Collins, I read his biography, you know, he's a great, a great drummer and, and, um, Absolutely. someone I, I really, you know, between Genesis and what he did and, and things outside of both of, both of those parts of his career. Um, a lot of things I didn't know about him, but the the big one, you know, all the, what we know about Phil, one thing we all know, remember about Phil Collins, if we, you know, were there when he was doing any of his work is he was everywhere to the point of annoyance to a lot of people. <laughs> and, um, that was because, um, I'm sure he was a nice guy and, 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 and he was obviously very talented. He was always getting asked to do these really great things from like, um, working with Eric Clapton to, working on the princess trust because he knows princess diana and and just you you name it and he was just always like well i'm not going to get to do that again but um the the most interesting part about it as much as i was going gosh well he can do so much you know surely i can do more but those things kind of destroyed him um uh, his his uh, personal life um his health and man at the end of the day that's all we got (laughs) that's true yeah so it didn't destroy his career, right? And I guess that's the one thing you can say about that. Whereas uh, it had the opposite effect with Vanilla Ice being omnipresent. It definitely ended up killing his uh, his career. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. yeah, and we can think of others too. Um, 
yeah, I guess that's a whole podcast dissecting the different artists that did that. So, you know, that were able to be everywhere to the point of annoyance and the ones that were destroyed because they were everywhere to the point of annoyance. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely want to underscore what you said. Like, if you don't have your health, you don't got anything. And if, if, if you can't be present, if you're not there, then you got nothing. So definitely take care of yourself. Yeah, that's one of the tips I uh, heard. I think it was Suze Polinsky and certainly a bunch of other people that, you know, as they're creating both content and events and topics to talk about live with uh, music artists, one of, there's a, a big, seems to be a big movement, rightfully so, and kind of the whole self-care thing. And, yes, you know, on, on top of the fact that we can get burned out so easily, I have one thing that's been a recurring theme on the Unstarving Musician podcast, and I'm sure yours is, um, and not by my doing, but mental health. And uh, I don't know if it's true or not, you know, from the outside looking in, it certainly looks like it, that in the artistic world that there are a number of challenges with uh, mental health, depression, and these types of things. So certainly uh, this whole conversation we're having about self-care is super important um, to you know, maintaining a good state of, um, mental and emotional wellness so that we can always be creative. And I've also heard, as you probably have that, you know, some artists, many artists are kind of afraid to lose the, um, the emotional or drama that they might be having in their life for fear it will affect their creativity. But I've seen otherwise, and I'm sure I know a lot, many people besides me have seen the same, that if you're, if you're in a good headspace, you're going to do your best work. Yeah, it's it's kind of a recent observation for me, but I think the other day I came across this list and it was because of a content piece I was putting together, which was like, should you give up on music? Uh, by the way, the answer is no. But uh, there was, <laughs> I found this list on Wikipedia. It was like uh, people with, or notable people with major depressive disorder. And the list will absolutely surprise you. You know, there's people like Buzz Aldrin, Second Man on the Moon, might be a reason for that. Mm -hmm. um, Drew Carey, Wayne mm -hmm. Brady, Eric Clapton, Hulk Hogan, the list goes on and on. And there's tons of musicians on there too. And it just goes to show you that like success, quote unquote, doesn't make you happy. It, it uh, may bring out parts of you that were always there to confront them, but these people that we think are, should should be happy should be uh, are actually you know may, might actually be some of the least happy people just because of of the circumstances they're in or or even maybe mental imbalances potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been off and on thinking that this should become a a bigger part of the unstarving musician. Mm. I, I've I've been really lucky in my lifetime to not have you know, I can compared to most people I can say I've had zero <laughs> troubles. I've had legitimately a couple of episodes in my life where I was dealing with, you know, what I'll just label minor depression. Nothing I, I um saw anybody for, maybe should have, but um in talking to people about it and you know, having gone through just a little taste of it, it's kinda scary and, and I think that awareness uh, is always a good thing in, in in sharing stories when we can about the times that that have been tough for us, and you know maybe in the process of doing that we 
catch someone at the right time with the right resources uh, to help, you know, themselves uh, outreach for help or, or, you know, just take advantage of resources that are right in front of them to, to get better. So, yeah, I think we just got to connect with more people and people are lonely and it's easier said than done, but that's, what's going to happen is we got to start shaking hands and going, are you okay? And people will just give you their blanket answer, but you got to keep digging, right? It's like, are you okay? Yeah. And admittedly it is, it does feel like a strange world we're in at the moment yeah, <laughs> compared does. to years past. So that can um, certainly add to it and everything from all things digital to, um, you know, political climate and, and culture just, you know, I, I, I've kind of stopped blaming just politics, but yes. just culturally, you know, people are having a tough time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Such an important topic, but you know, you mentioned Unstarving Musician, which is a name I really like. And it seems to me we're both passionate about dispelling this pervasive idea that if you're an artist, you must be starving, which is an assumption and sentiment a lot of people still carry. But some people, when they embrace their passion and go all in on their artistic career, they end up exploding. So what are some things you've seen in this regard? Who do you know that isn't just starving or surviving, but rather thriving? Shannon Curtis talked about her earlier today, and she does it largely on community and house concerts. She doesn't; she tours every year, and and uh, that's all she does, <laughs> house concerts. And she, you know, it's kind of an annual. Her and her with her husband's, um, with her husband at her side, and, and the recording process, and probably the creative process too. Um, she's releasing music every year, and this is kind of the center point for. Um, creating a house concert tour. Um, John Christopher Davis is a guy who's now based in Texas. He spent a lot of years in Nashville and he's actually in the area in which I have a lot of family now in Texas in Dallas, Fort Worth. And he's had a ton of success, um, in licensing music. And he, um, I'm going to kind of throw him under the bus and say, he's not among the young crowd. I'm sure he'd laugh, you know, anymore. He's not really an old guy in the grand scheme of things, but he still loves, you know, what's going on in music. And it's changed a lot because he's been in the business for quite a while and he loves performing and he's busy as all get out and he's got the right relationships going on. So he's doing really well. Um, gosh, I should just look at the list of podcasts. There are so many people. Um, Oh, there's one that came back into my mind, um, recently, uh, there's a band, uh, Mingo Fish Trap that is based out of Austin, I believe. And their founder, if I can find him, you might know of them. Let's see. Their founder is Roger Blevins Jr. And he went to school also in the greater Dallas, Fort Worth area, but at North Texas, a great music school. And they, um, have carved out a niche in the festival scene for many years and uh, he and he's someone I need to reconnect with. Um, he's got a lot of he's just one of those people that's seen a lot, done a lot. He knows a lot <laughs> that I think is is helpful to um, other musicians. I know he participates in um, songwriter type masterminds, these songwriting groups. I think they have like a songwriters university in his area um, that they sort of do online collaboration with. And uh, so that's a really cool thing. But I don't know if he's out there sharing all of his great stories and all the, you know, uh, trials and tribulations, uh, therein. But yeah, 
That's that's a great question. I'm looking at the long list of people that have been on the podcast, and there are just so many. But I, I guess my answer speaks to one thing: is that there's so many ways to make it in music. To, to me, it you know, um, Ryan Carella, who I talked to earlier today, was saying there's no better time to be in the music industry. You know, there's so much opportunity. On the other side, I think, man, it's so hard to be in the music industry. You have to do, you know, you have to be so many things. You can't just be the artist anymore, right? So there's two ways to look at it. But one thing's for sure. There's a lot of different ways to create your income and uh, and your niche in, in ways to, to make it happen. So, and like, like Ryan says, they're, they're just, if, if you're resourceful enough, it's all out there for free on the internet. If you need a little extra help in the way of some courses, and I'm, I'm one of those guys, I like a good course, you know, <laughs> um, that's there, you know, the books are there, your books, my books, and yeah. they're just, and, and tons of super smart people helping, helping people out like you are. Yeah. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you don't have to be starving at all. And I love what you said about things being kind of bloated and confusing out there. I, I've seen that in the music entrepreneur space, and I've been in those talks, and I was kind of surprised that what they had for me was this giant mind map, or what they had for their for their listeners, viewers, attendees, whatever, uh, was this giant mind map of these are all the things you got to do. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, no, 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 no. It's got to be easier than this. And that's why I'm currently developing the Music Entrepreneur Code. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. But if people want to get on the waiting list, they can go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash code and find out when that's when that's going to become available. Now, cool. you've referenced podcasting and uh, we both have podcasts and we've interviewed some of the same people even, which kind of shows you who the squeaky wheels are in the music business. But uh, <laughs> what was it that made you think podcasting would be the right channel for your message? Well, um, while I was thinking about what I was going to do to make this a little bigger, a website was obvious. A blog to me at the time was pretty obvious. Yes. And um, I got involved in a, um, a large international community mastermind thing for personal branders. So it really had nothing little or nothing to do with music. Nothing actually is <clears throat> really for anybody who wants to niche out a, um, a something <laughs> like helping musicians or, you know, whatever, maybe you're, you know, in the world of education and you want to make life easier for teachers. It didn't matter. But one of the, <clears throat> uh, one of the loudest recommendations I got from, uh, the mentor ringleader of this whole thing was Roberto. You need to start a podcast. And, um, I, d I took his advice thinking, well, he's got one. He's obviously building a, a great business with it. And to me, by the way, that's a good thing to build a great business about, you know, around what you're doing, whether part of it's trying to help musicians or just to get your music out there. You kind of have to, right? Because if not, you're going to run out of gas at some point. So, so he says, you got to start a podcast. And I did. And I found out immediately after getting through maybe the first couple of interviews that I, and I probably did then too. My first one was a big disaster, but, um, I loved it. And I, I found inspiration in uh, one podcaster and then a couple that are, you know, kind of big league podcasters in the art of the interview. So, uh, that's what really inspired me. And the more, <clears throat> the more podcasters I talk to or the more podcasts that I get exposed to and kind of check out, yeah, there's so many, uh, directions for growth or for, um, rebranding that are out there. And, and somebody told me the number 
of podcasts that are out in the U.S. just this week, and it's a huge number, but <clears throat> we also are hearing that it's still at an early, early stage. So yeah. um, that's why I got into it, and I find it to be a lot of fun. But, you know, it's not going to be everybody's jam. Um, some of the musicians that, that you and I talk to need to start a YouTube channel because that's their jam. Um, yeah. Podcasting is a ton of fun for me. Um, I, I would like to become uh, more of a, a YouTube or a video kind of guy. And in fact, I'm going to, I have to, <laughs> it's on the, it's on the radar. I want to start putting out my own um, performance content and I would love, you know, for the, to have an occasional uh, thing where I'm, where people can see conversations like ours today live, uh, you know, doing some live streaming. So yeah, little steps at a time. Yeah. And I can definitely see this podcast space continuing to grow. I think it is challenging. Like I've seen a, a gradual uptick in my listenership recently, which is great, but it was a long stagnation there for, for a while sitting at about a thousand listeners per month. And it's like, well, that's great. I'm just wondering if, if, and it should keep going with this thing because it doesn't seem to be uh, to be growing. And well, it's 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 always validating to see those numbers continue to go up and change. But I think sometimes it's also easy to take for granted that like you have a reach of a thousand people, and you're like, oh, that's actually pretty significant when you stop and think about it. Oh yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but at, at just a thousand listeners per episode, you're percentage wise wise hugely far and away above uh, all the rest of the podcasters. <clears throat> so if you're podcasting and you're at that level, you're doing great. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, not everybody has to be Joe Rogan or pick your podcaster. No. That's like one of the most famous in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, we just need to be engaged. Same as when we play our music, um, when we create our music engagement uh, is our friend. And uh, same thing with, with podcasting. I heard a great, by the way, on engagement, if I can throw this out there, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Ryan Carella was sharing a story. Uh, see if I can find her name while I'm telling you, telling, uh, sharing it with you. But um, he, we were on the thread of uh, live um, uh, broadcasting, uh, vid, you know, video streaming um, and, and the great opportunities it provides to musicians these days. Mary Ambers, who I believe he talked about, she's doing big things. I think he said on Twitch or, or stage it, but, um, uh, like her and I, I've had a guest on my podcast that's done very much the same. She's doing everything from, uh, writing her songs in, you know, uh, going through the writing process in a live stream, um, asking for suggestions for anything as small as I need a word to rhyme with whatever, you know, fill in the blank while she's live streaming and actually letting her fans collaborate with her. I've had a guest that has done that. She's, she's had guests, um, help her choose songs from those she's working on, you know, to vote which ones they like best for her upcoming release. They work with her on the, um, cover art and various other aspects. And that's pretty amazing. Um, so I think, you know, uh, podcasting can be this way as well. Uh, but, what a what a cool thing though he got me pretty excited about the whole live stream thing it's something i want to explore with my guests in the future and it gave me uh food for thought in my own um new chapter in music <laughs> yeah right now instagram live is a, is a big thing i had mm-hmm. a friend who who came to me and said well i'm going to start doing lives on facebook and i had just spent like probably the better part of uh, 5 6 months experimenting with facebook's lives and i was like dude you got to move on over to instagram because uh, 
<laughs> based on my testing and, and my experiences, uh, yeah, Facebook Live is no longer where it's at. And and he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna make, sh- I'm gonna do it on Facebook because technologically it, it just makes more sense for me to start there. But then I'm gonna distribute it to Instagram. I said, great, you know, do that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, Instagram video is all the rage. And this is going to sound weird but uh, to some people, not to everyone, but LinkedIn video. And I, yes, I, I know it's going to sound weird. But, yeah, it's going to sound weird, right, to some people because that's not for musicians. That's for people looking for jobs to some people. But um, think about if you're not there, think about how you can or should be because uh, LinkedIn videos at its in, in its infancy stage, kind of like Facebook was at once upon a time or maybe Instagram is right now. So it's a great place to get your message out on video. Yeah, I think you got to get on there too. Be, be on LinkedIn. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities, and people, the video engagement has been really good. I was, yeah, and a growing number of industry professionals out there too. And um, these people are great to. Uh, I'm learning more reasons why industry pros are great to, to connect with. You know, when I first started, I just considered myself a musician. I do. First and foremost, I consider myself a musician, an author, you know, a content creator. But I, I figure slowly but surely I'm kind of falling into what I consider um, industry in that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an educator, right, to a degree. And, and maybe someday I'll just be full-fledged. <clears throat> but, you know, when I was just looking at myself as a musician, I, I really... I was thinking, you know, I just want to talk to musicians. I don't, you know, I don't really need to talk to the industry people. But <laughs> there's such, um, yeah, there's so much that they have to offer just in terms of information because they're talking to and working with a ton of musicians. Yes. And uh, most of these folks um, really, really, really love helping musicians. Some of them are musicians. Some of them not so much. Some of them are crappy, self-admittedly crappy musicians. But they just love music and love musicians and Wow, I'm I'm kind of getting slapped in the face recently with what um, great friends and partners they can potentially be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot that that can be learned from that, and it depends on who you talk to too. Like some of them are going to be a little more traditional and conventional in in their approach and what they talk about, and it may not end up applying to some independent musicians. And then there's others who are looking to the future and looking to the possibilities of of streaming and online marketing and, and everything else that's going on in the world. So you get, you can get different perspectives that way. Yep. Totally. (laughs) Love it. And from different genres, I suppose too, you know, a genre that I'm kind of excited about. I've had had a love hate relationship with it forever, but DJs, Yes. And um, <laughs> one of one of my former uh, guests who's going to be um, I'm going to do a follow up interview with pretty soon. But I got to meet her in Nashville in person. Her name is Notel. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of grown up in. The, she's a singer. Uh, I consider her a singer first and foremost. She's a songwriter. But she's been immersed in the DJ world for a long time. And um, when I met with her in Nashville just last week, um, she was telling me she just came from a recording session. She was putting together. Get this. And. and it was new to me. Maybe it's not to you, but she was um, working on a product that would be distributed to um, the DJ community for use as um, samples. So it was a lot of vocal stuff with some music overlay. So I was imagining. I still don't. I'm 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 real interested in speaking with her more about it. But what I'm kind of imagining is, you know, she's got this digital product or maybe physical as well, and it's got um, probably snippets of. 
uh, things, kind of like when you go into a garage band or something and you find these, you know, uh, um, license uh, free or whatever, royalty free music options that you can use for podcasting for those who are familiar and can and can make that comparison. But that was yet another way to, to make, um, you know, to put your career together, another income stream, but a really cool and exciting thing I was unfamiliar with and and again, you know, she turned me on to some DJs to check out and, uh, I've seen a couple that I'm like, that person seems pretty artistic. And I've seen some with, what was that band, uh, Incubus? I don't know if they're still around, but, mm. uh, they had a guy that would, uh, that I consider, you know, a DJ, uh, on stage with them. And he was brilliant, you know, in this rock band. So there are all, certainly all kinds of applications. And I know there's some crappy ones, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'm more interested in these days. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And, you know, there was that entire period of kind of the, the hybrid hip-hop band, pop band, rock band sort of thing, Linkin Park, or even Sugar Ray to some extent. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. uh, Incubus might still be going at this point. Uh, I've been compared to them, or some of my music has been compared to them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I guess I have a little bit of that alternative vibe. I, you know, recently... I wouldn't say like I came back to music, but I've started making more music than I, than I did in the past and good for you planning out a, a new album for, for 2020 and that kind of thing. But I think it, it all came from something uh podcast guests recently shared with me, you know, off air as it were. And, and he was like, Hey, I went and listened to your fire, your God recording. It, it says it's released in 2018, but is that new? And I was like, no, it's, it's actually not. I think I first released it in, 2011 and he's like well something i just wanted to tell you it, it kind of makes me think of uh john frusciante have you listened to his stuff and so i've had that comparison before too but i hadn't sat there and listened to john frusciante and then when i did it's like he actually has quite a few you know raw unpolished you know, demo-esque uh, recordings and i was like oh well if someone like him is doing it certainly i can too yeah what a great artist too now that you said that, I need to go listen to some of his solo work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll wrap this up here shortly, but uh, another medium you've chosen for your message is a book. It's fair to say that there are many people in this space with a book, but it can be a massive undertaking. And, and while it establishes your credibility and authority, like getting it read can even be even more of an intensive uphill climb. So what made you want to write a book and what has the impact of that been? I've always enjoyed writing and, uh, yeah, it was, it's, you know, it's a quick read, but still creating even a quick read is, uh, for the first time is, a feels like a monumental task. And then I did the self-publish route and I would imagine whether you're doing self-publishing or traditional, there's still a lot to learn, right? Mm -hmm. So there was all that. And then there's the sigh of relief when I finally, you know, put the last period on the pay or right at the end, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then realizing, oh, crap, now, you know, now I have to start working to get it out there. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was, again, it was the story, it was the the idea that, you know, I, I have kind of a cool story about what this whole being a subbing, you know, a musician, a gigging musician, and a drummer, and a busy one who's gotten to work with a lot of wonderful people <clears throat> that I want to share. Because I'd seen some of my peers around me struggle with something that was coming to me pretty easy. So I figured, you know, there's more people out there that struggle. And, um, yeah, so I, I put it together and, uh, did take a little while. Uh, I, I would like to actually improve upon it with a second edition and I've slowly started working on that. And the title of it 
was to lend itself to a series so that I could have an unstarving musician's guide to fill in the blank. Um, the first one was about getting paid gigs. So that, you know, was the initial intention. Uh, but I've just done the one and, you know, speaking of that, I it was looking, you, you published a few. Um, yes. so that's, that inspires me to get back, you know, get back out and write, uh, or get to it, so to speak. Um, but you know, we were also, you and I were also talking about paid, <laughs> paid work to create content. I've had some of those yes. opportunities come across my desk recently. So I'm, that's fantastic. I'm taking it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm taking advantage of those and the work is, is interesting and, um, will help me with the economics of, of, uh, keeping the unstarving musician going for now. So, you know, something that I, I felt compelled to do, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm meeting with another writer on a regular basis to a couple, actually a, a workshop and a, in a workshop environment and a mastermind environment to, um, keep myself, keep myself going. But, um, yeah, you know, they're a great, they're a great business card, right? And, um, they're one of the things, yeah. And, you know, if you're a musician and or a podcaster or you're just a podcaster or you're whatever, if you have a book, that's a great way for you to ask your community to support you, you know, pick up a copy of my book. It's available on, you know, on Amazon and all the other platforms via Kobo.com or however you're selling it. And speaking of which, I almost forgot. I've been really bad about this. I, I sponsored an event recently, um, for, uh, Sue's, uh, Polinsky of rockstar advocates. And, um, I, in, 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 uh, celebration of the event, I put the book on sale for the first time. So, I know how the price is right in front of me, but I think it's like three ninety nine for the paperback and two ninety nine for the Kindle <clears throat> on Amazon and Kobo. And Kobo is just a place where you can get it on all the other, you know, electronic platforms. Um, yes. And that's through this month. So if you happen to, I don't know if anybody's going to hear this before then. <laughs> I should have asked that. But it, but if they do, or maybe something that gets mentioned in the show notes. Um, so that was kind of a big deal, big deal for me. But uh, but the but the bigger thing, getting back to, if you have a book or you're thinking about a book, it's a great way for you, for your, your people, your tribe, your fans, your patrons, your supporters to support you in whatever work you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I do have four books now and rest assured there are more coming, but I think, you know, I was here worried about uh, automation and, and AI beginning to take over content work, which I guess to some extent it is like producing business reports and stuff like that. Sure. But, but I, I think this is actually the most lucrative time to be in content creation. So if you are a writer or if you want to get into that work or have a little bit of side income, now's the time to get into it. It's, it's big. Um, are there any books or other resources that have helped you on your journey? Well, as a podcaster, um, the smart, well, I shouldn't say the, the podcast, but the person, uh, Pat Flynn, Pat Flynn was a big inspiration. Yeah. That was an um, early one he, for me too. Mm -hmm. Um, Tim Ferriss was a big inspiration. He was also helped by Pat Flynn, by the way, but, yeah. um, he was a big inspiration because I like his interview style and his con, you know, the, the, the topic is always superb. Um, uh, Mark Maron mm -hmm. has been a, a big inspiration. Um, other reasons. Man, I'm getting inundated with smart people and smart content <laughs> these days. And uh, so, you know, I think I'm at a point, though, where I should zero in on some stuff that's uh, really related to music and um, some of the conversations I'm having as of late with the, you know, air quotes, music industry people. Um, I, I think that I'm going to be digging into those relationships more to um, ask them questions, you know, ask for help, try to be of value to them because... I know they'll, they'll help me and they'll help me help other musicians. And, um, and you'll see 
I'll, I'll be sharing those things all, you know, always, um, on unstarvingmusician.com. And I know you do the same on your website. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the many places that you can find great, great, um, information and resources. If you're a, a gigging musician or a songwriter or somebody who's whatever, just trying to get the needle to move a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, I know you've got uh, other calls and podcast recordings and other things to hop on here, so we'll let you go. But uh, thank you so much for your time and generosity, Robonzo. Is there anything else I should have asked? No, man. I think you you covered it quite well, and I just want to say it was a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I want more people to know about the unstarving musician and the podcast, especially. And you know, talking with you today was a great opportunity to. Uh, for people to learn about it. So thanks. You got it. And people just can just go to unstarvingmusician.com, right? Yep, that's the one. Fantastic. Thanks again. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Thank you.